Welcome to Caribbean Millennials. Hello, listeners in Caribbean Millennial Land. Welcome to the podcast, episode 99. Getting close to that triple digits. Yeah, that big 100. I like that we have our own land. Caribbean millennial land, you know, makes me feel special. <laughs> In a time when land is expensive, it's very important to have your own land. <laughs> so I'm guessing like Caribbean millennial land is an island, right? Oh yes, I don't know. Lots of coconuts, pineapples, and mangoes. Oh, 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 okay, you said coconuts. Me and Anushka went to a supermarket today and brought like a bunch of different types of coconut water. We go to run a taste test. Ooh. Blind tasters. Blind tasters. Oh boy! Now and it's like the expensive coconut water. You have to. to, you have to drink it by itself, and then you have to put it in whiskey. Like that's the that's, that's the plan. Okay, that's all right. the exact right. plan. So you're, you're doing it we right have three bottles of whiskey there. So yeah. after last week's episode when we bashed coconut water, some of you guys give your suggestions about the best box coconut water. So we're going to see if your guys' taste buds are fried or... Yeah. I want you all to know, if I drink that box coconut water and it sucks, I will be back with a vengeance. And I will is, roast each and every one of you. I'll send is my the invoice. Best box coconut water enough? <laughs> I roast in every one of them, including Popo. For his suggestion. First, Wait, so first Popo's, Popo's brand of box coconut water is in the US? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't have faith. Because that means <laughs> it's probably made in like in Malaysia. Okay. All of them are the probably world. made <laughs> in Asia. I'm ready to roast him. <laughs> um, it's um His version was quote and No, you don't buy the regular one. You buy the pressed coconut water whatever that means right yeah, is that is that like a coconut term for premium like, massive know? i do not know Here's my question. primo coconuts you, the coconuts at the top coconuts? of the tree i don't know i mean you know when you say press you may think like sugar cane or something like that that you press and you pulverize that kind of way but press co- uh, you know you know what pisses me off most of all <laughs> in all of this whole you know escapade my brother sends a video this morning yes. of him in the countryside in Dominica with a whole bunch of coconuts from a tree. <laughs> I hope he stubbed his toe this week. <laughs> yeah. I um I have a dog and the, he is a coconut uh, connoisseur. Connoisseur? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He, he picks them, you know, out of a pile and then he shreds them down to the bare coconut husk. You know, he's just very good at that. She's very good at that. Okay, so, okay. You know, it's all coconuts all the time here. <laughs> Coco Loco? Oh, yeah. He's a loco for Coco. Okay, yeah. Um, Chocolate. I, I, I don't have anything newsworthy. Um, Wait, but how was your week? Let's Mine. not talk about my week for fear any of my co stumble upon this podcast <laughs> and hear me murdering them verbally on it. Okay, Just look, it was one of those weeks. Um, you made a wonderful shepherd's pie this weekend. I did. Aww. I did. I don't know how I did that. Now, how many layers of no, 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 shepherd no, 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 no. did you have? Sir, sir, this is authentic shepherd's pie. The way they do it over there, where they put the meat on the bottom and just a layer of potato at the top. Okay, All so right? you didn't have multiple layers. 
Nah, 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 nah. Multiple this ain't layers, it, It's not authentic when you multiple layers. All right. I mean, who de- who who decides it's authentic or not? The British. Uh, they don't even know a royalty, so you know whatever. <laughs> like, you have to take that shot, eh? Just, <laughs> just they have, have enough problems, you know, <laughs> of their to, own. Yeah, yeah. They don't have to, to dictate how many layers in the shepherd's pie. Yeah. Okay. You know, what, what, what the queen going to deny us to? Like you know, <laughs> I don't think they decide. I think it's like the shepherds that actually decided. I I don't know, but a shepherd. I wonder if there's like a shepherd's pie association. Like they get together and mm, no. no. When no, when no. are we moving to the new guidelines on shepherd's pie? No, no. Twenty twenty one is a bad year. Let's leave it as it is. Twenty twenty. Someone will... show up for shepherd's pie. They made the sweet potatoes and they bash them. Oh. Like, what is this shit? <laughs> or, or the shepherd's pie have meat on the top and the potato on the bottom. Like what oh. are you doing? <laughs> Yes. You are banished from the Shepherds by Association. Yeah. Don't you ever make one again. I'm, yeah, I'm so surprised I, the people in the US have like a Shepherds pie with like cherries. Never say never. Never say never. There's probably someone out there right now doing that. But yeah, I made a Shepherds pie. If you, if you this look weekend. hard enough on TikTok, you'll probably find it. You'll probably it. find it, yeah. I made one this weekend and I was thoroughly impressed. And now I have plans to take it to the next level already. I um, it made me feel like I should stop cooking and just let women do it. Do hey, you'll carry your weight, Missy. Right. All right. <laughs> Talking about stop cooking. Hey, hey. You know what? <laughs> Monday, chicken and bacon pasta. <laughs> <sighs> okay. <laughs> my, I, I will say, my sis, I love how like everybody's cooking game has leveled up over the pandemic. Because my mm. sister is making the most amazing dessert these days. Like, mm. she's, her dessert game is extraordinary. She made apple crumble today in two types of crust. <laughs> Excuse me? Oh, yeah. Y'all rich, like, y'all rich <laughs> in Denry? Y'all have two crusts? <laughs> y'all can afford two crusts? And then your dog is asking for more coconuts. <laughs> Check the back. Check the back. <laughs> okay, you didn't like that answer. <laughs> Someone probably came to visit you. Wow. I don't know. I, I think that's the coconut man of the coconut water. Yeah, so he's like, yeah. Don't bring coconuts here. We have it. You have a coconut man that is like deliver coconuts for you? Oh, yeah. We have a coconut de- water delivery service here. Um, Why do I feel like you need to make that an actual thing? I, no. Now, you know, he said, I'm like, yo, that would be an actual thing, you know. Yeah, we right. subscribe. And then every Saturday or Sunday, brings us like two bottles. And, you know, you request if you want more. It's not, it's not digitized. Excuse me? But, um, yeah, it, it works. <laughs> it's, it's very manual, but it works. <laughs> and he walks up the road and he delivers coconut water to, like, about 10, 15 houses. And then, yeah, goes back down. That sounds like a hustle, though. Yeah. Can't hit on the man hustle. I mean, before, I'd have to pay the same price and drive around looking for somebody uh, selling yeah. coconut. So, mm-hmm. oh, I just guaranteed coconut water every, every weekend. That is why my coconut water taste buds are so refined, you know. You spoil. Every weekend I have, I have fresh coconut water from the finest know. trees in Denver. Yeah, the top of the finest trees. Yeah, the t- top level. Okay, <laughs> the top level. Like if coconut trees had floors, floor sixteen. The of penthouse. Floors. PH, yes, the, pen- the penthouse. The, the tower. Penthouse. The, you need the, a special key to get up there. In the, the phone elevator. tower. The spire. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Or you need to calm down because she can't be on the podcast anymore. 
While you handle Oreo, and we should give her news items, you know. Um, before my news, I feel like my eyes will open this weekend to new skills and hobbies, and um, just a new pathway for my life. Okay. I'm a gardener. Please explain. Tell the people more. I, uh, you know, we asked our lawn guy, you know, how much it would be to redo our flower beds and whatnot. And he told me and I was like, this isn't going to be what I want. So I rolled up my sleeves. That's a lie. I wore long sleeves and I kept them <laughs> down. Um, but... <laughs> The funny thing is, I still don't remember what price the guy said. Too much. Anyway. I had a school angry and like, oh, I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> 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 but um, it was kind of nice, like, getting in there, de-weeding, pruning. Um, Did you actually, you know, I, have, I go to Getting my hands dirty, like. you know, planting my pretty flowers and bonding with my neighbors, getting tips and tricks, you know, borrowing tools. It felt like, you know. So you're one of those neighbors now who borrows everyone's tools. Well, I... I, Have you returned them? No, but she said, like, I'll return them today, but I gave them banana bread, so it's all good. (laughs) I'm that neighbor. (laughs) I'm that neighbor. The one that steals everyone's tools, okay. Um, No, the one that bakes and provides joy. Um, no, but all honesty, it was fun. But I mean, this morning I woke up and my body was hurting me. But even while I was doing it, I was like, "Damn, our parents and grandparents were just like doing this like nobody's business, um, carrying bananas and doing all kind of thing." And you know, I, I just tried and dig a couple holes at my whole yeah. body and plant some flowers, and my whole body hurting me. <laughs> um, so you you. Plant a couple flowers, dig a couple holes, and you compare that to what your grandparents did. No, well, I'm saying because I felt how I felt just from that little thing. You know, I, I'm not built for tough like them. <laughs> You're not built for tough, okay. Because I say, like, you know, like some of our parents probably carry, you know, bananas on their head yeah. from like oh, that's that's not you that's not you no my grandmother that no. was my grandmother that <laughs> was carrying coals and all kind of thing from yeah, I, know my to to town. Have my, I know my grandmother used to have my mother carrying mangoes from yeah. carly all the way down to cashews kind of thing yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You, you'll um, never have to do that yeah. um, so, Henry, man. i have some mangoes for to carry yeah. so i've never carried those things but i have fertilized an entire farm and laid irrigation lines and ah. he did not help me with my flower beds. Yeah, I, I do I do enough of that already. Uh, hear that, hear that. If my father wanted me to become an agronomist, he'd have made me do agriculture. He knew that wasn't the life I was meant for. So he let me go and do IT. Check it. <laughs> anyway, as much as it was, you know, quote-unquote hard labor, it felt good, though. You know, felt a ache in my bustle, muscles, activation in my back, you know, and then the rewards... Of my pretty front yard. I hope you water those plants and I hope they survive. Yeah, I hope they survive too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the if, if they die, then we have to take away the green from designation. No, mm-hmm. if, well, here's the thing. 
whether they live or die determines if she has a green thumb. Ah, yes. That's why I made Vernon's sister help me because if she has it, oh, you try and blame my sister. No, 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 I try and see if she has a green thumb that I can help from from his dad. Genetics, yeah. (laughs) One of us have to have it. Okay, cool. You know, I I might probably I probably have it. I just don't use it. But hey. Anyway, yeah. that was my final project this weekend, and it brought me a lot of joy. Okay. okay. Um. Um. All right. So. So now we have me. a flower lady in the group. <laughs> we have a weed man and a flower lady. <laughs> wow. Damn. We're just all Damn. about the the ecosystem. Diversifying. Green. Green. Um, green. All right, so just my one news item, and you know, not sure how many of you guys know the stats and whatnot, but I was reading an article from the New York Times this week that was talking about vaccination efforts around the world, um, which, by um, by and large, do seem to be working. Right? Um, it's interesting though between Britain and the U.S. that they've had two different strategies. Britain has been focused on the quote-unquote one jab, you know, strategy where they're at least trying to give almost everybody at least one shot, right? So at the time that I checked that article, they had 38% of their population had at least one shot and 2.6% were fully vaccinated. Okay. Um, so they're delaying the time between the two vaccinations just to get at least everybody some level of protection. One yes, one juke villain. And um, in doing that, their daily cases um, has fallen more than 90% since speaking in January. Um By comparison, the U.S. is not doing that strategy. They're just trying to get as many people fully vaccinated, right, to get two two shots. They're not trying hard enough because I get vaccinated, yes. So, um, 22... I willingly want to get vaccinated. Yeah, I know. Like, I'm not even, like, joking. It's not like I I think, like, I get vaccinated and I can not wear a mask and whatnot. It's because they tell them they can't wear a mask anymore I think I need to mm-hmm. get vaccinated because I don't trust these people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so the U.S. by comparison, 22% of the population have one shot, but 12% are fully vaccinated. Okay. Um, U.S. new cases have fallen 79% since January, and the U.S. is currently vaccinating 2.5. They're vaccinating. No, I have 2.5 million shots per day. Okay. But they're going. The government is going to start receiving close to four million shots a day from vaccine makers. So they're getting that in. And then the U.S. has not um, approved AstraZeneca. So those vaccine doses that they're sitting on, they're going to be giving to Canada and Mexico. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. So send them to the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, so I just saw that article and I thought it was interesting, just the two different um, strategies and yeah. kind of the stats on how far um, these countries will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, well, in thinking about um, being healthy and staying COVID free and living our best lives, um, I decided to bring onto the podcast this week Daniel Walwyn. Daniel, say hello. 
Hello, everyone. So, so lovely to be here with all of you tuning in from Antigua. So, um, to have you with us. Yes. Uh, So, Danielle is an advocacy officer at the Healthy Caribbean Coalition. And at HCC, um, well, HCC is the only non communicable disease alliance with over 100 health and non health organizations focused on the prevention and control of NCDs. Um, In Danielle's role, she works with the rest of the HCC team in um, implementing their regional obesity prevention project, and they focus on building support for the adoption of obesity prevention policies across the Caribbean. So, um, I know that's kind of a very simple way to put it, but when I found out about HCC last year, I was really impressed with the work that they were doing and the manner in which they were pulling um, teams together and volunteers together um, across the Caribbean to to tackle these health issues and kind of... Uh, spark change right even just from like a policy governmental perspective you know where it actually matters um in addition to her work with hcc daniel also holds a master's degree and um with her specialization in health promotion and focus on physical activity um she also teaches fitness classes and um is just all around fun passionate person um just Ra 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 for health and youth <laughs> and all that good stuff. So, Daniel, say hello to the podcast. Hopefully, I did you justice in oh. that um, introduction. Absolutely. No, thank you so much for that. You kind of gave the full intro on HCC and um, kind of the work that we do and our emphasis on a whole of society approach. I really liked when you mentioned that, you know, really trying to empower and, um, you know, build capacity, because for our work, although, as you mentioned, it's focused on policy, we really are trying to build capacity among civil society organizations, um, the average person, just to better understand policy with regards to the prevention and management of non-communicable diseases. So I think you did that justice. And you're totally right, the rah, 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 I'm... Definitely a health advocate. Um, and in particular, I'm really, really passionate about um, physical activity and making physical activity fun and accessible. So I'm looking forward to chatting a bit more about all of that. Yeah. So, Danielle, before we get like, you know, into the meat of it and, you know, where you kind of want to take us on this episode, um, can you kind of give a breakdown into what exactly do you guys classify as non-communicable oh, diseases, right? That, that was a great mm-hmm. hypothesis. Yeah, because <laughs> that's the thing, right? I feel like um, when I personally have spoken to people, you know, in your field or, you know, mm-hmm. health people, you guys have your lingo and acronyms, you know, and, and things that you use um, that maybe to the average person, they're like, okay, I get, I kind of get non-communicable okay it's not infectious right Mm -hmm. but like what does that mean 
No, so that's exactly it. In its in its base form, understanding that it's something that cannot be transmitted from person to person, right? So there are five main non-communicable diseases. And I think once I say them, it'll all just resonate with all of us. Cancer, diabetes, respiratory diseases. So for example, asthma, anything to do with like lung cancer, cardiovascular diseases or heart diseases, and mental health conditions. So those are the main and only NCDs that we focus on. And when we talk about NCDs, we immediately think of also to like what causes them. Mm -hmm. Um, So we think of the risk factors. So tobacco use, harmful use of alcohol, physical inactivity, unhealthy diet, and air pollution. So those are the NCDs and those are kind of the things that cause them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, did you have something else? No, um, I think the big thing, and Anushka, I know you're probably going to get to this, but the big reason why we even have the Healthy Caribbean Coalition, why there's this big focus on NCDs is because we have in the Caribbean one of the highest rates. Um, When we're talking about NCDs, we're recognizing that three of every four deaths um, in the Caribbean are as a result of NCDs. And I think the big thing can you is that- can you say that one more time? Because <laughs> yeah, that's massive. That's, yeah. yeah, three of every four deaths. So we're the highest, oh, wow. the highest mortality rate from NCDs in the region of the Americas. So that's yeah. If you think of you know the point of the Healthy Caribbean Coalition, it it, it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> should, I, should I throw another stat at you? Yeah, Please, yeah, hit us said with it, and I'm like, I'm like, like three out of every four, like what? I'm all for the stats. Yeah, <laughs> and so like I know for us, a lot of the major ones we hear about are cancer and diabetes. Just you know, we were talking about you know before we headed onto the podcast about an incident in in Saint Lucia. Our diabetes prevalence in the region is twice the global average. What? Yeah. Like, like, did y'all like miscalculate? Like, your show is like twice. Twice. What? Yeah, it's so. There's a lot to talk about here. I think. Oh, I, I, I guess it's a bit shocking for me because, and and excuse my ignorance here, but when I think of us in the Caribbean, I think we have such access to you know all this healthy food. You know, we grow up. We can grow our own stuff. And that kind of stuff. So when I hear those kind of numbers, it's it's mind-boggling for me because I'm like, yo, like, we have all these fruits and vegetables that we grow. We, you know, I mean, I know we get some processed food, but I don't think we really, I, I don't think, you know, we have alternatives to it that aren't as expensive, I guess, for lack of a better uh, Mm. If that's the way I want to say it, versus living in the US where if you decide you want to get organic stuff, it costs you like an arm and a leg versus buying a processed thing. Whereas in the Caribbean, it's like I can just probably go in my backyard and pick an organic banana and that kind of stuff. And then I'm hearing these kind of numbers. So it's like, Mm -hmm. what is happening? I know. What is happening? Can I turn the question back to you guys? Like, what do you think, knowing our environment in the region, the fact that we import quite a bit um what are your thoughts 
I, I don't even know. I'm sorry. I'm so like, I heard that number and I'm yeah. like, wait, what? <laughs> but I, I was, think, oh, go ahead. Go I ahead, Anani. I was doing some research on um, that, now that you brought up the import stuff, on the import bill a couple of months ago. And they were attributing a lot of our health factors to the stuff that we import instead mm-hmm. of doing um, locally and at home. So we're actually like paying for us to be less healthy because our import bill in the region was approaching $10 billion move um, of importing food into Caribbean countries. And we have the resources and the environment to grow most of the food that we import so it begs the question like why is our import bill so high mm-hmm. and maybe that's a major factor with to do with our health because of the food that we import right usually we, we don't even get the healthiest of stuff i, yeah. I remember mm-hmm. processed yeah there was a lot of stuff that was getting banned in the european union mm-hmm. and we were still receiving the shipments mm-hmm. in in the caribbean for that stuff so it, it really feels like we import stuff and then we import terrible stuff because we want cheaper food. So, so we're shooting our own selves in the food, yeah, basically. Yeah, basically. Like, the excuse is that the food is cheaper when you import it, but is it quality? And aren't we just hurting ourselves by getting that cheap food? Let's grow it locally yeah. so that we can eat healthy and eat for less. I think there's also a factor at play with our, like, quote-unquote traditional um like plates of food and that kind Mm -hmm. of thing right so like um if we think about the origins of you know you have a plate of food with your meat your rice and you know some kind of peas or lentil and your ground provisions all on all of that right your like heavy solid plates of food the people probably eating that kind of those kinds of plates of food before where that originated from were like doing more physical work and mm-hmm. physical activity than we do today, but that's just our culture of like eating that way, right? They'd have to have like a hard, heavy plate of food to get through, you know, their day and all but, of that. But here's my question for you guys. And it's it's to what you're saying. Right? Mm-hmm. Even if they we not as active, or or you know working as hard as them, if we were eating that type of food, in my opinion, uh, that plate of food, that'd probably still be healthier than eating those processed things, because the ground provisions would be organic mm-hmm. stuff we're talking about there. Mm-hmm. So, I, but I think now I then think, then I don't think people are eating those. But then of put food. put they are and they're eating the fast food and they're yes. not exercising yep. and yep. they are more stressed out and we're sitting down in our cars and Mm -hmm. we're sitting down at work and you know like it's a whole set of things compiled and people are more stressed out and people drink a lot of alcohol and you know like it's all of those behaviors we should be pushing people to if you're going to eat that kind of way you need to be more active absolutely Take up a sport, do more exercise. Yeah, so it kind of goes back to the episode we were talking about, I want to say maybe two weeks ago, even about like sports, right? And even just having more recreational clubs Mm -hmm. and activities and promoting that outside of a competitive avenue, right? Because 
a lot of us lost those things, right? Once we we kind of grew up. Yes, yes, we do. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, um, it's almost culture to have like a very large, compacted plate of food. Like if you don't <laughs> eat enough, like people asking, are you sick? Like is something wrong with you? Like why is your plate so small? Why is your, <laughs> why is your food not <laughs> like you know a tower? Like you know, so that's almost in like ingrained in our culture, and then we eat like so many different stuff, especially like on a Sunday. Like you know, you get the Sunday plate, then you get a macaroni and ch- a pie, then you get a potato salad, then you get a green fig salad, then you get about three different kinds of meat, right? And then there'll be one salad on the table, and then like, you know, the <laughs> and the salad is like um cabbage, grated carrot, oh and my like gosh, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like no, ve- eating, very eating. little like <laughs> nutritional <laughs> value. The the beans are from a can, and then the the chicken is from somewhere in Europe. <laughs> hmm. Only the fish is local. <laughs> so it's, it's really yeah, it's really something else. And like yeah. you said, people don't wake up at five o'clock, go to the the land that's like an hour walk away, and then come mm-hmm. back start their day. And, you know, come back, back carrying something on the head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Most of the time, most of us are in an office, sitting at a chair, and like looking at a screen. Exactly. And the jobs are a lot less um, physical in nature. So, you know, if you imagine if your grandparents were a laborer, day laborer, or working on a construction site, you're probably sitting down there working as a like call support agent. <laughs> for 12 hours a day and then you don't go home and cook you go you go to kfc you buy food exactly that's the cycle mm-hmm. how do we do daniel that was excellent very good it's very good overview it, you highlighted the fact that this is such a it's a complex issue because we have the cultural um aspect of it we have things that are just naturally ingrained and how we do things. Um, And, you know, you mentioned the physical activity and the fact that we're just how our lives are right now. We're we're a lot more sedentary. We're not moving as much. Um, And Anushka, I really like that you brought up the fact that, you know, we need to have more and diverse and inclusive and fun because we've talked about this personally, physical activity. and I think just a better understanding, which is one of one of the things that the HCC really tries to do, is just a better understanding of, you know, what we can do individually, but also what needs to be done at a at a population level. So we we have our individual factors, and some of them are out of our control. Um, you briefly mentioned about kind of the affordability of healthy foods, and for some people, let's be honest the ultra processed foods that are high in salt, sugar, and fat are the things that are more affordable. And so for people who are having a rough time, that's what they're going to go to versus the healthier foods. Because in a lot of countries where we don't produce our own local food, you know, we, we are, we eat the imported processed food. Um, And so this is kind of where population policy comes in place in terms of making this healthy food more accessible, more affordable. Um, 
and making the healthier choice the easier choice, which is something that we advocate for because it shouldn't be, you know, people are in different circumstances, different have different vulnerabilities, and they should be able to choose healthier. Um, so at, we're just advocating for them to have that choice. Um, I think the other thing to bring up is mm -hmm. also just how um, normalized it's become that we all know somebody with diabetes or hypertension, high blood pressure, mm -hmm. but that has, I think, because we all know somebody with it, we've become as I say, like normalized, accustomed to that. Oh yeah, yeah, you have high blood pressure. Everybody has high blood pressure. Like that's not a big deal, right? Like it's not gonna kill you, you know. But it can, yeah, right? And and I think, um, in our culture, we've just gotten so accustomed or growing up, you know. Oh, your grandmother has high blood pressure, but she's still eating, you know, how she's eating, or you know, whatever. We all know somebody, but the severity of it, um, you know, like I even remember my grandmother had high blood pressure but never wanted to take her medication, right? Like that was just like a common, <laughs> you know, kind of kind of thing. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, so on that point, um, excellent point because there's also the incidents where because... <laughs> And it'll be interesting to hear um, all of your opinions on this. But in general, some of us are not very good at going to the doctor and getting our regular checkups for various reasons. And so when we're looking at NCDs as well, non-communicable diseases, there are so many rates of undiagnosed chronic diseases because we're not getting ourselves checked out um, or to the point of we just assume that, you know, granny and auntie has high blood pressure i'll be fine and not checking up on it and as you said it can be um it can be fatal and i was just looking up some stats and they're saying you know in jamaica 50 percent of people do not know that they have high blood pressure what yeah 25 percent don't know that they are diabetic and 80% are unaware that they have high cholesterol. And so when you think about, okay, starting with those small things, if you left, leave that unchecked, that it becomes fatal. And, you know, so it, also the importance of um, getting ourselves checked out on a regular basis, even more so when we do know that we have an auntie, uncle, mom, dad. With yeah, when you're in the family, conditions. exactly because you're at an increased risk, right? Because there's that genetic component to it. So, yeah. yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I don't know, you saying those stats, and like <laughs> my mind is just like exploding. I'm like, wait, what? Like, yeah. how? Like, why? It's, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a multifaceted, multi layer issue, sure. right? And it just yeah, compounds and then, and then, on top of each other. So, then, like, I'm hearing all of this, you know we eaten all these processed foods and we eaten badly and then I'm thinking and then you throw in the mix how much alcohol we consume. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. We just want a road to kill ourselves basically. Hey, you said it. Yeah, so then so okay, so then here, here's my here's my question. Um and maybe I think in radical here with with this thinking. Is there something that, because, I mean, 
you know, you have the, the group that you're in, that, and you guys are trying, you know, to bring awareness to that stuff and whatnot. But is there something more that can be done by, let's say, the government? Like, because mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like at this point, hearing these numbers, I feel like the government needs to be stepping in to try to, you know, help their people. Absolutely. Um, oh, sorry, Brian, are you going to say something else? No, no. <laughs> I, I'm with. I, give me your take on this because yeah. I, I don't know. So one of the things that we really, really advocate for is this whole of society approach. Because if you think about it, and even just in our conversation so far, we've spoken about things that we immediately think of, okay, that's Ministry of Health related, right? I'm sure that's the first thing that comes to our mind. But if we're talking about access to healthy food, that's Ministry of Agriculture, right? So you know what I mean? So what we're really trying to encourage is collaboration between government like government sectors um another thing that just came to mind especially and anushka and i have spoken about this too is needing to cultivate healthy habits from a young age so immediately you think of ministry of education so it's it's really encouraging those sectors to work together because can you imagine that would be beautiful (laughs) beautiful if they work together um to really address this because it can't it can't be all up to the Ministry of Health. It really does need to be all these different partners working together. And in addition to government, we have civil society. So that's Healthy Caribbean Coalition. That's like the St. Lucia Diabetes and Hypertension Association, Cancer Association, those sorts of things, doing what they can in the communities to educate people, to provide services where possible, um, to advocate for these sorts of policies that I've been referring to, to make the public more um, aware of them. It comes down to the private sector as well, really trying to, um, again, well, one, one, one major thing is lending their funding to some, some of these initiatives, but also recognizing that they might be the culprits of really marketing ultra-processed foods and thinking about that. And so everybody just everybody working together um, to just create a healthier environment where it is easier to be healthy. But as you can see, it's like, it is complex and we need collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, 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 you know, just speaking of collaboration, like Mm -hmm. I, I I feel like, and Adani has had this, me and Adani, we've had this conversation. My dad has said this, that, it should get to a point where all the islands should be able to collaborate in that. Like mm-hmm. you, you have bananas. Mm-hmm. I have this. You and we need each other. Like so, I'll send you some of mine. You send me some of yours. You know, and we just yes. trade in amongst each other. You know, so that that could right there. You know, lower this whole import bill. Import bill. Well, I mean, it'd still be important, but I mean, at least you'd be trading with something that you have mm-hmm. to an island that needs it, and you'd yes. be getting organic fruits and vegetables from each other and, and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and that's yeah. one less thing that's processed that you have to import from the u.s or wherever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we need to work on our supply chain yes that's the, that's the problem because i'm guarantee you we have so much food on this island that's spoiled right and it's my heart things it's probably things that another island could use short on yeah mm-hmm. like yep. if we grow in a ton of cucumbers and bananas and mm-hmm. antigua has um a ton of coconuts and other stuff like why can't we just 
have these swings go back and forth and we have the technology mm-hmm. we have the 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 land we have the soil we have the water we have the sunlight you know so why aren't we yes. doing more like it's it's almost like our leaders either can't see the vision or people outside of the region are purposefully keeping us back so yep. that we yeah. we are just a source of buying mm-hmm. things from other other countries outside of our region yeah, I mean, I'll just take a little segue to kind of tell you all about my weekend, right? One of the people that helped me with my gardening was a neighbor who's actually originally from Zimbabwe and he's into agriculture. And he was saying in um, Zimbabwe, his family is into agriculture. His brother has um, is into commercial agriculture and almost has something like 300,000 pigs and you know that I was like your brother has more pigs than the population of (laughs) my my country right but he had to he got at at some point did work in Zimbabwe around food production and um, reducing imports so he brought in um, potatoes and started a potato um, farm and at the time, Zimbabwe. <laughs> um, and at the time, Zimbabwe, their main like grain or such or whatever was corn, and they brought in potatoes. Started doing potatoes, I guess, along with government support and whatnot. And every time they did whatever with um the potatoes, they passed on to farmers and taught the farmers how to grow potatoes and and that kind of thing. So at the time when they finished their project, they had educated and taught more farmers how to do that. And then the production of the country was 50% of of um, fifty percent potatoes when it was pre- predominantly when you corn. Said that man and my father would get along. I was like, oh, okay, but that's really, exactly what my father uh, uh, was doing. Yeah, right. And <laughs> they have, you know, like with people like Vernon's father, there have been efforts, but you know that was, you know, really working with the government on something, trying to pass on education and really try to eradicate that and be self-sufficient. Right. So. Other um, countries, nations are doing it and doing it successfully. I, I, I'm wondering like how long it's going to take for us to actually get there, right? Mm-hmm. Because there are other countries doing it at so much further scale where with our smaller numbers, we could have an even bigger impact, right? Listen to this. If you, so, and, and you know, you said that and it made me think back to, that was 2017 when I went home. And I had to go to Barbados to do my visa stuff. And one of the things my dad wanted to do, he wanted to take potatoes from Barbados and bring them to St. Lucia to see if he can grow them and show them how to, and show the people how to grow them. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. You can't just send potatoes from Barbados to St. Lucia. There's a whole drama there oh, about gosh. that. So I had to smuggle the potatoes in for <laughs> my father from Barbados to say I remember that I, I will never forget that if I was like alright I want you to put these potatoes wrapped in this in the bottom of your suitcase and bring it home I'm like what and he's like should, yeah because be so difficult. It, right it is, I, and I didn't understand why he was making me that he's like yeah because if I try to bring it in then they go to seize it and then it'll be how long and by the time I get the potatoes it'll be probably good. be dead or mm-hmm. useless I was like okay and it shouldn't be it like shouldn't that it shouldn't be that hard 
<sighs> I know, but you yeah. know, just food for food for thought, right? But um, bum. Well done, <laughs> um, Daniel. Do you mm-hmm. want to take us through your story? Yeah, the one thing that I will just say, um, just in terms of you know what's what is what is it going to take for us to really make an impact? And I think one of the big things is having the people who are on the ground working in these different sectors who can give firsthand experiences being a part of program development and the policy process. Because what I find is there's just such a, a, a an unfortunate separation between what policymakers think is happening and what is actually happening. <laughs> it's just a day in the own world. <laughs> right. And so, you know, in order for us to really have like sustainable programs, policy initiatives, I really think the people who are on the ground living this life on a daily basis should be part of part of that. But onto the story. So um, I'm, I wanted to just take us through just kind of uh, journeying through, we'll call this little girl, her name's Helen, um, and taking us through Helen in a school environment and what might happen to Helen if she didn't have a supportive, healthy environment. And I would love to hear some of your experiences too on school environment and what that was like for you. So Helen, she is going to a school where what is offered to her is, uh, again, ultra-processed foods, lots of packaged foods, not a lot of healthy foods. This is what's offered to her at her school canteen. Um, and then in addition to that, she only has physical education once a week, which is a reality for a lot of our schools in the Caribbean. Um, and she does not like her PE teacher. <laughs> Loki me, Loki me when I went to primary school and secondary school. Um, and so I don't know if this is resonating with any of you guys or, you know, but this is the reality for a lot of our young people and children and young people in the Caribbean. So I'll stop there. So that's part one of the story. So here's my, here's what I'm going to propose, right? just questions random thoughts right one (laughs) one does helen have a lunch kit and what's in her lunch kit Mm -hmm. right and and if not if helen gets sent to school with money right are we at what age are we trusting children to make educated decisions about food and nutrition so let's say for the purposes of this story that she does <laughs> not have a lunch a kit. Lunch she kit. is going to have to buy, she got money from her parents to buy lunch at school. And let's say Helen is in grade six. Man, so Helen could be having a icicle and a bacon cheese at break. <laughs> because well, I'm thinking about what I was buying in grade 6 when my parents were giving me money okay and I can tell you it was not the healthiest stuff mm-hmm. so I know her hell not buying anything healthy no. I was buying like you know chicken and fries uh, mm-hmm. and a soft drink yes. uh, or you know or or, yes. or or darling you know <laughs> in in grade six i had my lunch kit but i maybe had money to spend after school or something so i was 
at, that too? I was at the gas station or up by the lady who was selling the ice lollies. And oh, all the, there were like three memories. people. There was a gas station across the road. There was the like candy shop kind of across the other side. And then higher up the road, there was a lady that sold the um, ice lollies and um, tamarind balls and... Um, the jams and all of those things. I was things. a regular at KFC on the way from my from school to my mother's office. Mm-hmm. The KFC, after school snacks, right? And then I would hit Big Banana on the way to her office to get her ice cream before I go there. So, yeah. And that was daily? <laughs> I ice, was, uh, ice cream a day? Keeps the doctor. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was heavy. It was, it was bad. Like, I was having ice cream like every day. Oh, get some ice no, cream. Let, let yeah. me tell you, it was horrible. It was horrible. Because yeah. Anushka and I went to the same primary school. So mm-hmm. I know about all those ladies she's talks about. Mm. And I would literally not buy lunch so that I could buy the <gasps> only barbecue chips. Ooh. Like only barbecue chips, ice cream. <laughs> um, what else? The ice lolly, the, the chalk ice with the vanilla ice cream. Oh, sound yeah. And my chocolates from the gas station. Like that, that was literally what I would do. <laughs> so, Trust me, we were not making the best choices back then. Yeah, but I now, used to walk from school to town every, almost every mm. day. So, well, yeah, you know. that's the thing. Eh? I, mm-hmm. I got thing, picked up, but I, I would yeah. walk from school to my mother's office. I would be running around cashews like a mad person. <laughs> yeah, and and my um, parents ensured that I had a good breakfast and a good dinner. So, like you know, I was only only lunch that I was in charge of that was um, mm-hmm. getting messed up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think about it. Yeah, I may have ate bad at lunch, but I was so active because I would I, do. All I don't those think I, I wasn't that active, but I got I my mom did a decent job of sending me for a good lunch. Yeah. But the thing is, when I hit secondary school and I just had money, mm-hmm. I was reckless, money. right? Money, money, right? <laughs> but, so let me tell you about my <laughs> secondary school experience right so it was about form three right my mom would drop me off to school pretty early right like i'd be one of them children opening the school at like <laughs> seven o'clock seven thirty. for the, the janitor. yeah right and i don't remember what time the bell rang but at some point i'd go up the hill and get a, a bacon chicken or something like that for my second breakfast Big and chicken for your Yeah, second. yeah. Shout out, Miss Baba. Sure. <laughs> Before seven o'clock, you eating big and chicken. Yeah, but I, Vernon, that's like people wild, eat. Bro. People eat like that, though. But you wild, bro. People eat like that, and they were also selling like pizza, like a kind of like pizza kind of breakfast. There, yeah, that was on sale, and a lot of people ate that, right? You wild. Um, and then, but so that was one thing that happened, but there was another point where in form three they were giving me money to go to school and around break time right (laughs) so at school at convent what used to happen like when you had to get food like the plates of food because they did have the plates of food you had to stand in a line and some people would spend how long in the line waiting for food so when the bell would ring people would run down there to be first in line to get their food right yeah get their plates I wasn't on that, so I wasn't signed up on no line during lunchtime for food. So at break time, I bought three ham and cheese sandwiches. And. (laughs) Yo, did you just say three? Yeah, I bought three ham and cheese sandwiches, and it was like that cheese spread. What's the size of the sandwich? Like the. 
right? Right? Yeah, yeah. You know that cheese spread, you know but that? But what's the size of the sandwich? Like, <laughs> like a, a pan, like the sliced bread. Three? I bought three, right? I just kind of use that, you know, my almond cheese there, whatever. And wow. then after school, when <laughs> when the bell would ring or whatever, I'd be first in line for float and cheese like they knew. And she could say, what's up, right? <laughs> well, in form three, my mom ended up like bringing me to the doctor, whatever. And then the doctor on her own volition, she's like, well, your parents have high cholesterol. Let's just check you. Ah. Mm. Who didn't say Anushka at 15 had high cholesterol? And then they were like, what are you eating for lunch? And then I was like, well, you know, I had three ham sandwiches and whatever. And my mom and the doctor were like, what? I'm like, what? Like, okay. So so then I was like, cut. Right, Daddy? Three ham and cheese. So here's the thing. You know, all of this is crazy for me because it's only when I got like, older like in like my 20s i really started eating if you ask my mm, mom you wouldn't that was always before. an issue for them getting me to eat because you're also anemic but i was but i was also very active so mm. it used to baffle them like how i have all this energy but i'm not eating mm-hmm. anything like they couldn't get me to sit still to eat i'm running out to play tennis i'm all over the place i outside kicking a ball and it's like but now it's like you, like, I'm well, all about the food life. Y'all, <laughs> I was eating all that bread and I wasn't doing anything. So in Form 3, in Form 3, they essentially, like, put me on a boot camp. Like, almost, like, put me on Atkins diet, put me in, back in swimming. Like, I, and it was, like, punishment for my indiscretions. Yeah, ham and cheese, what did you think was going to happen? I, I know, right? Free ham and cheese, you say. Free. Right? Trace. What did you... <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I think here? I think they're probably making the ham and cheese like the Kadas bread. Oh, so that you <laughs> know No, that it ham- was like the flat, the flat like sliced bread. I know so but, but so at know. what at what point are we going to um hold school canteens accountable for their <laughs> right? <laughs> Why do selling a child three ham and cheese? But I even so right? Why is that even being sold? Why is that even being sold? Now, like, and here's the thing, you know, I could have washed that down with a nice soft drink or something like that. I wasn't. You right? could have bought two and a half. Wait, a soft you say drink. a nice soft drink, so what were you doing instead? Probably water. Because a soft drink is not the healthiest. <laughs> a bear. A grip. A grip. A pedrax. A cherry. A cherry soft drink to make it feel like. Oh it's... my god. Ooh. She was probably buying a coke. And a, a fruiter. Cherry, and she a mix it herself. <laughs> oh, she <laughs> buying a fruiter. Cool. A fruiter. <laughs> but bringing us back to that point of holding our school environments accountable, which ends up going back to the ministry, right? And bringing that down and making it so that healthier food options are available and that children are sensitized to wanting to try healthier food options and building healthier healthy habits with healthy food options too because i honestly at my in my school there was no fruit oh, there yeah. was i don't no, remember any fruit anyway no, nothing no <laughs> there's there's the, fruit but the, it's on the tree on campus it's not right the closest <laughs> we got to fruit was a coconut cake <laughs> you know what i mean um yeah so and uh, so and and cheesecakes when and drinks for the oh, yeah. Cake day. Oh, 
so good. Yeah, she, but I mean, fits. these are the memories and stuff we have associated with our childhood, right? I call yeah. you free having cheese from now on. Eh? <laughs> three having cheese is your day. Sorry, I really distracted you all with that. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, just say it in French too. <laughs> no, I have to call you a minute. Ask you a minute. What you thought about that for cheese? What? I'm um, sorry, guys. Nom, 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 nom. And you want to know the funny thing now? I don't eat ham now. You, if I make a ham and cheese for her, she wouldn't want to eat it. I'm like, <laughs> she's scared. She's scared. Oh, Too much gosh. ham and cheese. Too much low quality ham and low quality cheese. <laughs> but you know, it's it's still the same story. That's exactly you know, true. Go, like the ham had no taste. Yeah. Like I, if I have to eat as a teacher from our canteen, like I'll die. Because mm. literally. <laughs> Literally, they have the cheapest burger party in the mm-hmm. cheapest burger mm-hmm. bun with the cheapest lettuce and and one size of tomato, and then they sell that for like six, five or six dollars, and then they replicate that as many times as they can. That's yeah. crazy. And then it's fried in like multiple day old oil, and it's 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 a mess. It's a mess. And teachers, school staff, and students, I think, deserve better. Mm. They do a hundred percent, and yeah. and that's why you find by like twelve thirty one, students are passing out in class. Like, oh my gosh, they have no energy. Yeah, they can't focus. The, the students that have PE in the afternoon, they screwed. Like, just <laughs> like put them to on a bench for them to sleep, because ain't nobody doing long jump and hundred meters <laughs> at that time. Having that food in your belly, like literally, you go in the canteen and the options are peace dal, dal with no peace. Hot dog. Oh gosh. Hot dog without the bread. Burger. No, no. Wait, what? Wait, what? And you can buy the hot dog without the bread. And and fried chicken. Like that's. So you can just buy a have. sausage. Yeah, you can just buy a sausage. You can just just give your sausage in your hand and tell you, yeah, feel frisky. Like. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Wow. Like wow. it's really it's really something else. Like what what the the options are on the menu. But they don't sell plates of food. Um, one canteen does this. There are two canteens. I don't actually Yeah, of course, we have two canteens. Yeah. One okay. is run by the school and one is run independently. So mm. the one that's run by the school, they have like a plate of food. But again, the plate of food is 12, sometimes more dollars. So And they have like student, a small... Like a hot dog. Yeah, yeah mm. what student can afford that every single day? 12 dollars yeah. a day for five days. Like that's $60, mm. you know, like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you have to put on your transportation on that and like... <laughs> and that's just lunch so yeah. you know mm-hmm. like it, we find like a plate of food is more like a luxury like oh mm-hmm. my god like you know yeah. i did well on this exam let me have a plate of food like, you see <laughs> and so it comes back down to like the accessibility and yeah mm-hmm. and, and i know if they had to go healthier that plate of food would probably be 22 dollars. 20 wow yeah. if they but, have to okay. save the environment and use the um the paper, the, the paper plates, then you go up to twenty five. But guys, and here's here's my here's I have a question. Maybe it's a wild question, a wild thought, right? All these schools probably have like they teach agriculture or something. Yes. Right? Why not have the children grow some vegetables, some ground provisions, and yes, use brother. what they grow in to, you know, in the canteen, and you know. I'm sorry. Are you preaching sustainability? Is that what? <laughs> <laughs> wild right uh, i hope i hope they don't they don't pr- get me for witchcraft you know these wild thoughts oh my gosh but like you can use that to like 
run the canteen and, and education actual mm-hmm. plates of food uh, but that should actually healthy be like stuff a, on it. a cxc mandate if you think about yes it. Like but that's, that's if the children a... taking agriculture for cxc that should be yeah. part of it a but CXC almost just and um oecs mandate <laughs> yeah, I mean, even just for the efficiency and uh, cost operations for the schools, right? Right. Absolutely. Have you have them grow some cucumbers, some tomatoes, some lettuce, mm-hmm. you yes. know, Bingo. a little salad there, you know, and some, then some... They, they get reduced um, food fees because you know the food is exactly out. exactly talking about sustainability and collaboration there's so much land on the campus and it's not mm-hmm. being used it's just grass or you know mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. yeah all right daniel where where is helen now yeah where is helen now because helen uh, okay but we didn't really get to touch on the physical activity environment oh yeah does helen play any sports <laughs> so helen does not play sports oh no helen. she does not play sports um and PE is only once a week, right? PE uh, is only once a week. Does um, Helen walk or like take public oh, transportation? Yeah. Or she does she get picked up? She gets picked up. So she's picked up. Um, so she's picked up from school, dropped off at school. Um, and she does not like PE, doesn't like sports. But Sounds like me. Sounds like me. <laughs> And sounds like so many children and young people who have, you know, like, you know, grown up with just different relationships with physical activity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that comes down to, again, the reason, and I'll just bring back really quickly, the reason why I even teach uh, dance fitness in particular is because um, I hated sports. My PE teacher was awful. And I found a home in the dance studio. And so I loved to dance. I wasn't very good at it, but I loved it. But that was also because my parents were able to afford to send me to dance class. But And I don't know about in St. Lucia, but in Antigua, there are no free dance classes. Oh, what is free? <laughs> What's free? <laughs> right. You know, and so for me, it was just trying to make physical activity fun and um, just I was not like in terms of sports and being competitive. That was not me. And I know a lot of girls in particular feel similarly. Um, So it's just, again, continuing to advocate for fun, diverse, safe physical activity. And that comes down to, of course, community-based programming as well. What do we have going on in the community to cater to children outside of the school environment? Because we know the school is really important, um, but, and I'm just taking the words of Anushka from, I think, I don't know if it was a podcast last week or just like, it takes a village, right? It takes a village to support. (laughs) (laughs) It takes a village to support, um, the growth of a young person and so what what you know do people do young people feel safe and children feel safe being active and just thinking about that so helen um yeah she had no luck in school i think the thing that's coming to mind for physical Mm -hmm. activity is while it wasn't enjoyable the reason why at least for me it came up as um necessary was to look a certain way not to be like healthy or anything but just like you know to you know not have your bread belly showing and 
Your free ham and cheese, baby. But you know what I mean? Like, you know, the the expectations to like look and, you know, be a certain yeah. way, but you're not actually fit or you can't walk up the hill, you know, to do, to do anything. Yeah, no, absolutely. So again, so many factors that play into into physical activity and why we choose to be active. And I think just trying to develop, again, thinking of, I don't know, and I don't know if this was just in Antigua, but if you ask anyone what it means to be active, the immediate association is sport. Is that similar in sailing show? Like we don't uh, take anything outside of sport. I'm just thinking again, Anushka, of your backyard gardening and how sore you were <laughs> today. And I don't think people immediately associate just moving. So, no? so I think for a while, yes, it may have been that. But I don't think mm-hmm. it's like that anymore. I think a lot of people, you know, like like do these whole dance classes and whatnot. But Maybe I think they... I still think it's kind of like rooted in sport because it's the yes. dance classes are usually at the gym. True. Yeah, True. it's right more recreational, it. right? Yeah. Like yeah. if you if you think of somebody, oh, so, so if you think of if I think of somebody who is active, I think of somebody who's like an athlete. Yeah, either that right. or they in a carnival band. And <laughs> I, I mean, I well, I guess, I guess for me it's different because you know I see my I see my father, so mm-hmm. I know like because. Active for my father is him going on his farm. Mm-hmm, so I think that's mm-hmm. for the older generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, I don't see the okay. older generation gym as much or, you know, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, you're right. For, you're right at our age, like, you don't want farms that often. Yes. Mm-hmm. You are mm-hmm. actually a farmer. You're very right. But even your mother is a generation uh, slightly different from your father. And yes. She's not true. active really very at true. all, right? Yeah. Because yeah. um, my father thing is go on his farm, come back sweating... Like you run 10,000 miles. Well, and I mean, my parents for some time, I think, let's say even my mother, maybe her physical activity up until like the point of having children or, you know, having children a certain age was literally just taking care of the children, cleaning the house. Like all of that was her physical activity until, you know, after she had three children and was like, I need to try and get my body and then started doing those those you know gym classes and okay. stuff like okay. that right or, or or walking right mm-hmm. like that's a big thing like walking for people yeah mm-hmm. walking these days is very popular people will just put on their headphones and either in the morning or the after evening you'll literally see hordes of people walking up and down mm-hmm. and yeah. I, I used to think it was just because of carnival but there's no carnival this year and people are still trying so well, I mean, it's I, it's the Danny, free. That's the way of getting out of the house. Eh? Well, it's a yeah, way of getting true. out, and it's free, right? Yeah. And you know, the thing is, they aren't. And what are the other options? You know, besides a gym membership, like everyone knows how to walk. You know, what I mean? yeah, <laughs> if you're not in a community that has like a a group of people who actually play every Saturday, like Denry, um, near the countryside, there'll be a group of of people that got gather together every saturday morning or, or twice a week and they'll play for like two hours football but if you don't have that then you're just literally taking a ball by yourself on a on a field empty field so mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so it's complex. <laughs> it's co- a hundred, and that's what we keep coming to, right? It's complex. We have to talk through it. We have to, um, yeah, it's not black and white. And so the reason for me kind of bringing up that story is just, well, the HCC, we do a lot of work with children and really trying to, well, focus on the school environment in particular and really trying to focus on the benefits of acknowledging healthy eating being active um, and really trying to create healthy school environments and healthy communities. Because can you imagine if Helen had had some, well, was one educated about, because that's a whole other, I think a whole other conversation. I don't remember anything about, you know, balanced meals or anything, <laughs> conversations about that in primary no. school. I don't remember right? those conversations either. Yeah, I and think so, there was one time they brought it up in science class, but it was like you know just. But Adani, in science class, you notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. In science class, it's not in the context of you as an individual and you eating exactly. healthy. Yes, and mind you, in home I could go and make cake. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. You know, so but that's exactly it. It's it, because it's it's us as individuals it's our life and our lifestyle and it should be integrated not just in one subject we imagine if helen had had that if helen had had those healthy options in schools if helen had had a pretty cool pe teacher who you know was open to having sports but as well as random really fun games and actually listened to what the students wanted to do for pe you know what i mean so just thinking of, um, yeah, promoting that healthy, healthy environment. And that's something that we do um, and what that could do to kind of address the NCD crisis that we have, tying it back to NCDs, the NCD crisis that we have in the Caribbean right now. Because, I mean, you could even say that, you know, once COVID is settled and whatever, right? Like that's the like major thing plaguing us that, mm-hmm. you know, people are not really addressing full force. Yeah. And I think the thing about NCDs and it's come out quite prominently now in our region is that, well, we know that if you have an NCD, you know, and that association with getting COVID and having more severe symptoms, um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's come out quite a bit now and there's been a little bit of light shown on it. But given the fact that we're kind of facing these two pandemics, I really think that there should be should be a bit more. So um, <laughs> did you hear the sigh like, oh, I know, complex. I know. Yeah, I feel like the, the word the word of the podcast was this is complex. This is complex. True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess kind of before we wrap up, do you want to highlight any specific initiatives um, that HCC has um, taken or been pushing? And how can people listening to the podcast also support, get involved? Um, and just and get more information. Yeah. And maybe like what encouragement information do you have? Yeah, so right now we have um, two major campaigns going on, just in terms of things that we're like right at this minute doing. So one is focused on, um, it's a it's a partnered campaign with 
PAHO UNICEF, the OECS, OECS Commission, focus on now more than ever, ever, we need better health, better labels, better choices. So one of the policies that we are promoting is front of package nutrition warning labeling. So essentially, in a nutshell, that is having labels on the front of package products that would tell you if the food is high in salt, sugar or fat. So literally, yeah, and it's in it's in an octagon octagon shape. So stop sign right at the front of the package. So you know exactly kind of what you're eating. Right. And that ties into, again, the NCDs and what we know kind of relate to or cause some of those conditions. So that's one thing that we're pushing right now um, because the CARICOM is voting on whether they're going to implement the front of package nutrition warning labels. So it's very timely. So that's one campaign. The second campaign that we're promoting is um, uh, pediatricians from across the region have noticed as a result of the pandemic, they've seen an increase in weight gain, um, physical inactivity, and then mental health concerns, and I know that's a whole other podcast, but mental health concerns among their patients, so children and young people. So it really was a a campaign, a call to action for this whole of society approach to address those issues. Um, So we've had over 40 pediatricians from across the region sign this letter, um, highlighting those three issues that I mentioned. Um, so those are the two major campaigns, but in general, we are very social. HCC is very social. We have um, a very active Instagram, Facebook, Twitter page, and we have a website, healthycaribbean.org. So in terms of how individuals can interact with us, again, as I said, we're very social. We um, engage with different organizations and individuals. If you have something that is within the realm of NCDs, tag us, let us know, because we are happy to promote those initiatives. Um, And again, just on that point of, you know, as a region, us supporting one another and educating one another and empowering one another, we post certain material that we encourage people to repost as well, just to continue to get, get the word out. So happy to engage you that way. If you actually want to be a member of the Healthy Caribbean Coalition, um, you can just visit our website and there's specific links there. But yeah, there are many ways. But I think the big thing, I think especially for us um, as millennials, is is the social media and following us there. (laughs) Awesome, Daniel. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast and sharing all of those wonderful nuggets of information and blowing our minds <laughs> thank you so much for having me honestly you guys are awesome and thank you for the work that you do um and again just keeping it real with us and keeping us up to date and always having engaging conversations i'm a long time listener so i'm going to continue to listen and congratulations <laughs> on your almost 100th episode thank you whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Uh, Vernon? Well, guys, it's been another episode of the Caribbean Millennials Podcast. We are out.